Well, good morning. We are live from Washington today, and Washington people, yeah. Still making their way back from meet and greet. That's pretty cool. It's exciting to be here, and uh, you know, we love our campuses. We believe every campus uh, is a gift from God, and it's exciting to see what God is doing at each of our campuses. It's certainly exciting to see what God is doing here at the Washington campus. Uh, we are so thankful for Zeb Thomas as our campus pastor here. Yeah. And just so you guys know, Zeb would not be here if not for Lindsay. So uh, we are thankful for Lindsay. <clears throat> as you know, Zeb uh, is uh, working on his Master's of Theology. He already got a bunch of other degrees, but he's working on his Master's of Theology. And uh, today, from 1 o'clock until we don't know when, we uh, hope we're through by the Super Bowl time. But is anyone going to watch the Super Bowl? I mean, really, you don't need to watch the Super Bowl. One person in Washington is going to watch the Super Bowl. We have, a, we have an ordination exam uh, for uh, uh, Zeb. Zeb's going through the ordination process. He's already done the written uh, part of it, and today is the oral part with the elders. So uh, be praying for Zeb and us as we go through that significant process today. I said every campus is, is, is a gift, and, you know, we have the campus in DeBerry. And we're so thankful for what God has done there and is doing there. They're looking for a campus pastor or two strong candidates that they are uh, uh, interviewing. So be praying for that process. The elders will be involved in that process as, now, as well. Right now, Wayne Johnson uh, on our staff here uh, at the Bible Chapel, he's down in DeBerry doing an internship. And I want you to pray for that campus. Um, a couple weeks ago, a member of their campus passed away, 35-year-old, uh, who was just a dynamic leader in the DeBerry campus, um, Nate West. Uh, Nate and I had two things in common. One, Nate was an Oklahoma Sooner fan, so I always appreciated that. Every time I was in Florida, Nate had an, an OU hat on or an OU shirt on or OU pants on and a lot of times hat, shirt, and pants together. And uh, Nate was just this great guy, a great leader, uh, very dynamic, and uh, God took him home. We don't always understand that, do we? And so that church, that church is going through a challenging time. Pray for Heather, his wife. They have five kids, five young kids, and just pray for them, that God would give them the strength they need, Heather and those kids, the, the, the comfort they need, the, just the, the peace they need going through this very difficult time time and pray for DeBerry because uh, it's a small campus and uh, when you lose a significant person man it, it hits hard and so uh, just just lift up the West family uh, Heather West and her children let's pray together uh, throughout our campuses everyone joining us at this nine o'clock service and I uh, just pray that God would bless our time and his word father thank you that you're a God we can trust, and you're a God we can always depend on, even when we don't understand everything that you're doing in our lives. You're sovereign. You are good. You always have our best interest at heart. All your ways are right, and all your ways are perfect, and your timing, it's always right on time. 
And so, Father, we pray that you would be with the DeBerry campus in particular today. Lord, give them your comfort. Give them your peace. Let them know that you are on their side, that you're with them in difficult times. I pray, Lord, you'd bring the right person there to lead in this next stage of the journey. And I pray you'd be with us, Lord, as elders, as we think through that and as we interview candidates. Lord, help us to, help us to see beyond um, uh, the, the, the person and help us to get a glimpse of heart. Father, we pray that you would be with us today as we look at your word. We have absolutely nothing to say unless it comes from your word. And so we ask that you be our teacher, that you speak to each of our hearts. We all need to hear from each of us, we need to hear from you in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a powerful way. We thank you, Lord, that we can come together and we can sing together at all of our campuses. We interact together. And now, in one voice, we can pray together as Jesus, our Savior, taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We're taking some time here at the beginning of our year to make sure we're on the same page together, that we're moving forward together for the same reason, for the same purposes. God's doing some tremendous things throughout our church, and we praise Him and we thank Him for the things that He's doing. And we know we have a lot of work to do, don't we? We have a lot of work to do to be the church that He wants us to be. And we appreciate all of you who have been involved in the strategic planning process, and there's more opportunity to do that, and we thank you for doing that. As Zeb shared here at the Washington campus earlier, our mission at the Bible Chapel, the, the why, the big why, why do we exist? We exist to develop followers of Jesus Christ, and we've always loved that word develop because it means to bring into reality, that includes the person who does not know Jesus, and we hope our campuses are filled with people who don't know Jesus. And it means to make stronger, to build up. And those of us who know Christ, we want to be in process, don't we, of growing in our walk with Christ. Now, we believe that a growing believer is involved in five things. We call these our five essentials. We believe that a church that is developing followers of Christ is, to, is involved in five things, and we call these our core values. So to make it easy, our core values and the five essentials are the same. Word, worship, connect, serve, share. Those are the things a developing church and a developing individual should be doing. Let's say those things together throughout our campuses. Ready? Word, worship, connect, serve, share. A few times ago, we looked at the Word and why we believe the Bible is true, why we can trust the Bible. We looked at worship, and we said worship is not coming in singing some songs on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night whenever you come to the weekend service. But worship 
is demonstrating our love for God every day, all day, every aspect of our life. Last time we had our friendship weekend and we shared the gospel of Jesus Christ because we want to make sure those who don't know Christ understand what it means to trust in Christ because we know as believers when they do, their life will never be the same and their eternity will never be the same. That's our calling, that's our responsibility, that's our privilege. And by the way, just as Zeb again mentioned here in the Washington campus, I want to mention all the campuses, one way you can share Jesus Christ is to be baptized. If you're a believer and you've not been baptized, the week after Easter is the week to do that. Now, we checked in Scripture and we saw that you could be baptized in the New Testament without doing a video, right? So we decided you don't have to do a video. You don't have to do that. If you say, I'd love to be baptized, but I can't even think about having a video on the screen, that's fine. You can be baptized without a video. If you want to do a video, it's a great way to share it with your family and friends. But part of sharing scripture, sharing your faith, is not just sharing the gospel, right? It's saying, I'm all in for Jesus. And so baptism, the week after Easter, our celebration service, that's the time to do that. Today, we want to look at this essential we call connect. And, and the essential we call connect, we could use a lot of different words. We could use the word community. We could use the word um, belonging. Uh, we could use the word, be a good biblical word, fellowship. It comes from the Greek word koinonia. In fact, the five essentials come from Acts chapter 2. Verses 42 through 46, the early church. Here's what they did when they met together. They listened to the word. They were involved in worship together. They involved in caring for each other. They were involved in serving each other. They were involved in sharing the message of Christ. At the end of Acts 2, 46, it says people were coming to Christ like crazy back then. So connect is something that every believer needs. Every believer should be involved in the Christian life was not meant to be lived alone. So here's what I want to do today. On your sermon notes, on the back, there is a whole page of things you can do to get connected, all right? That's the practical thing. That's the application to today's message. All kinds of things throughout our campuses you can do to get connected. But what I want to do today is to back up why do we need to get connected in the first place? I want to show you from Scripture the essence of connection. And then I want to show you the expression of connection. And then I want to show you the anchor of connection. So the practical part of it is on the back part of your sermon notes. Get connected, okay? But let's back up and just... See what Scripture says about the why behind that. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. I want you to see that connection, community, fellowship, belonging is not something man dreamed up. It's not something that evolved throughout the ages. It's not something we do because we like to hang out with one another. It's not something we do because we want to watch the 
Again, no one's going to watch except this one guy here, but watch the Super Bowl together, right? I want you to see that community is hardwired into each of us. We can't escape the need for community. Now, why is that? All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I love the word for God there. It's actually the word Elohim, and that's the plural name for God. It is not referring to the Trinity. It is called a plural of majesty. And so the first time we see the name God in Scripture, we know He's eternal. It didn't tell us He was eternal. He's just there. He never, He's always existed. There was never a time when He began. He is eternal. We see that. We see that He is the great creator. He's all-powerful. And we see in this aspect of, of the plural name that He is majestic, that He is sovereign, that He is all-powerful. We see the person of God. We'll look at verse 2. And God said, or, uh, the, the earth, rather, verse 2, was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God, now we have the Spirit of God coming in, was hovering over the face of the waters. Same word for God, but now the Spirit of God. So now we're introduced to another aspect of God. Same person, but another personality, if you will. And here we have the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, hovering over the deep. That word hover, uh, hover means to flutter or fly. It's used in Deuteronomy 31 of an eagle stirring up its nest. The pinions of an eagle, the, the wings of an eagle protects the nest. And so here we have first God is sovereign, and now he's our protector. He's our overseer. One more part. Look at verse 3. And God said, let there be light. So here we have God created, God's hovering over, protecting, and God said. Now, if you stopped at Genesis 3, you would just say, God said, let there be light, and there was light. When God speaks, it comes to be, right? But the best commentary on Scripture is what? Scripture. And we, get, we have the New Testament, so now we go to the New Testament, and we say, oh, man, that's what Genesis 1, chapter 3 means. John tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and God said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and check this out. He's talking about who? Jesus, right? Through Jesus... All things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So here, Jesus is the agent of creation, but not only is he the agent of creation, he's also the agent of what? Recreation. Because he's the one who came. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And he died on a cross for our sin. And our sin was put on Jesus. God made him, 1 Corinthians 5, 21, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so we could become the righteousness of God. So in these first three 
verses of Scripture. We have community. We have one God in three persons. One God, yet existing in three persons. So here's what I want you to see from this. The essence of connection, the essence of community is the person of God. The Father is at the forefront of creation, but the Son and the Spirit are present and involved as well. The Son is at the forefront of our redemption, but the Father and the Spirit are involved as well. The Spirit is at the forefront of our spiritual growth, and the Father and the Son is involved, are involved as well. The essence of connection is the person of God. Okay, so why is that significant for what we're talking about today? Well, look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. We've seen the person of God, right? And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, both man and woman, he created them. We are made in the image of God. God is this community, the Trinity, one God in unity in these three persons, and then he creates us in his image, and that aspect of community, that need for connection, is hardwired into us. You say, well, now you might be jumping a little bit ahead. How do you know that for sure? I'm so glad you asked. You guys are a sharp group. Zeb has done a tremendous job with you guys here in Washington. Why would we know that community is hardwired into man? Okay, the image of God, but I need something, I need something more I can grab onto, right? Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is, it is not good for the man to be what? alone. It's not good for the man to be alone. I'm going to make a helper fit for him or helper suitable for him. Now, a lot of times when we read Genesis chapter 2, 18, we think what? Marriage. That's about marriage. And certainly it can be applied there. But it's much more than that. It's not good for the man to be alone. So notice God did not create another man so that these guys could hang out together because it's not good for the man to be alone. They can hang out together. They can play video games together. They can go to Buffalo Wild Wings and watch the Super Bowl that no one's going to watch today together, right? They can just be together. God didn't create another man. He created another woman, and that's the marriage part, but why would he create a man and a woman? For community. Because the man and the woman had children. And then that became a family. And then that became a community. And then that became a nation. And connection and community begin in Genesis 2, 18. We are made for community. It's not good for the man to be alone. The essence of community is always in the person of God. We're hardwired for it. We've got to have it. We're not who we should be by ourselves. It's never good for the man to be alone. Okay, the, ex the, the essence is the person of God. The expression of community is the people of God. 
here's where it gets a little messy. We know we're hardwired for it. Sometimes we have challenges doing it. The expression of community is in the people of God. Now, in Genesis 1 and 2, community was perfect. But after Genesis 2 comes what? Genesis 3. Every time. And in Genesis 3, sin enters the world, and it has never been the same since. Cain kills his brother, Abel. Clans begin to fight. This, this community that God put Adam and Eve there to, to develop, they become, they fight against each other. And, and the families are the patriarchs, the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, there's jealousy and favoritism and infighting and deceit. Were there good times? Yeah, there were great times. There's always great times in community. But man's sin infects every relationship. The expression of community is found in man. And, and sin messes up that expression of community sometimes. Remember God is one person, one God in these different persons, and so the church is one church, but we're, we have different roles, there are distinctions, we do different things, we act in different ways, we have different responsibilities, and now sin messes that up. The New Testament was written, much of the New Testament, the letters were written to deal with the issues in the church. 1 Corinthians was written because there are some things going on in Corinthians that should not be going on. Disorderly worship. People were coming together to worship like we are today. And it got so disorderly, Paul says, no, we don't, we don't do that. It's not like that. There were people who were denying the resurrection. I mean, the essence of our faith, denying it. Idol worship. Believers suing one another. Can you believe that? Brothers in Christ. People who are going to spend eternity together. They're bringing lawsuits against each other. Paul says, we don't do that in the church. You guys work that out. If you can't work that out here, how are you going to rule in eternity? Paul and Barnabas. Heard Paul and Barnabas? I mean, talk about two giants of the faith. In Acts 15, they had such a sharp disagreement that they separated First missionary journey, a guy named John Mark's there, and somewhere along the journey, he left and went back home. We don't know why. But the next missionary journey, they get ready to go. Barnabas says, here we go, Paul. Here's John Mark. Let's go. And Paul said, there ain't no way I'm taking him again. He left us high and dry the last time. We were down a man. Remember how hard that was? And they had a sharp disagreement. Now, when we read a word like in Scripture, sharp disagreement, we just say they had a sharp disagreement. Just think about it. I don't know how long it went on, but there are words flying back and forth. They're raising their voice. It doesn't say if it was an hour or 30 minutes or days that they were going through this. But at the end of the day, they just split. And i got to tell you, for everyone who wants every human conflict tied up nice and, neat, nice and tight, right? You don't get it with Paul and Barnabas. There's never a scripture that says, oh yeah, in Ephesus, they met, kissed, and made up. Never says that. The only hint that we get that there may have been some interaction is later on, 
Paul, writing from prison, says, Send John Mark, for he is helpful for me in my work. So we know that, Paul, that Barnabas worked with John Mark, and Paul appreciated that. But there's that there's conflict. The expression of community is with man, and it doesn't always go well. And yet here's the great tension. Here's the, here's the beauty of the church. It is, it is a great blessing, and it's messy all at the same time. We don't always get along. We got challenges. And 59 times, 59 one another passages. Let me give you a few. Be at peace with each other. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Stop passing judgment on one another. Serve one another. Carry each other's burden. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other 59 times and there are a bunch of other passages that we could look at to tell us what community is supposed to be that's what we're striving for and that's why it's so important to be connected in community let me read you Brandy's story this is what community should look like this is what community should be Brandy is at one of our campuses, she and her husband, and um, they had an incident, she said, at a church years ago where they just stopped going. It was about four years ago before we stepped foot in another church. That church was the Bible Chapel. We walked in those doors and immediately uh, was greeted by John Zanker. John's been around our church for a long time. He even took us everywhere we needed to go, and I always will be grateful for his kindness to us that day. He has also become a mentor to our oldest son. Over the months, we heard about Living Grounded course and the importance of being part of a small group study, and we went uh, for the classes and were placed with wonderful people. And at the end of the study, we became a life group. And we've been, uh, we've been together for about six couples for over two years. We've met faithfully uh, every couple of weeks and have completed many studies uh, during this time. It's become our family. Throughout this time, my husband and I have become volunteers in many places in the church, and we have met many wonderful people. And then Brandy says, fast forward to December 28 of this past year. My parents, sister, and cousin were on their way to spend the holidays with us from the state of Indiana. I was at church this day when my dad called to tell me he had just watched my sister and cousin get hit by two semis on the interstate. He didn't know if anyone was alive or dead. They were trapped in the car and he couldn't get them out. I was hysterical. And this was witnessed by many people at the church, and they came to me immediately and started pouring out their love and their prayers. I received texts from so many people at the church saying they were praying. And when we finally came home, four days later, we discovered meals and a cleaned kitchen from those in our life group. This was when we really felt that we belonged here, that these people love and care for us. They are our family. I had a couple uh, after the Saturday night service come and say, that's our story as well. We walked in, we felt like we belong here, and we love those stories, and we're thankful for those stories. And there are many of those stories, but let's just be honest. Some of you don't have Brandy's story. Quite honestly, many... Believers are disappointed with their experience 
and their interaction with other believers. So I want to say two things here. and Please listen. First of all, we know that there are some areas in care and connection and communication we are dropping the ball. And we have gotten that feedback, and we are working on that. We make no excuses for that. One of our major goals is to do a much better job of caring for people and getting people connected and keeping the process smooth so you know what the next step is. We're working on that in the strategic planning process to correct that weakness. And I got to tell you, that's on us. If you have been hurt or you've not been cared for or you've wondered, what in the world do I do next? I want to offer an apology. Please accept our apology and forgive us for that. That's not the church we want to be. We want to be a church where you can come in and you're cared for. We want more Brandy stories. And we're thankful that so many of you are going to help us in that process. So please hear that. And please hear this. With our best efforts, with our best communication, with our best processes, with our best systems, we will never bat a thousand. It's just impossible. So please don't let, don't let our weaknesses, our humanity, cause you to check out of church. Don't let our dropping the ball cause you to damage your relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to read you this. Uh, this is from a great book called Life Together, a German pastor, Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, Bonhoeffer was uh, during the Nazi regime, went against the Nazi, Nazi regime, and about, I think about two months before uh, the camp he was in was, uh, was freed, uh, he, was, he was hung. But listen to what he says. Life Together, this is a great book. He talks about community. If you want a great book on community, it's Life Together, Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Listen to what he says. The serious Christian sat down for the first time in Christian community is likely to bring with him a very definite idea of what Christian life together should be and try to realize it. But God's grace speedily shatters such dreams. You hear what he's saying? We all have these expectations, right? But by God's grace, he shatters our expectations. Only that fellowship which faces such disillusionment with all its unhappy and ugly aspects begins to be what it should be in God's sight. The sooner this shock of disillusionment comes to an individual and to a community, the better for both. Every human wish dream that is injected in the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community and must be banished if the community is to survive. And I love what he says, how he ends this. He who loves the dream of community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter. He who loves the dream of here's how it should be rather than, man, here's how it is. And I'm in it and I'm going to work through it. He says that's the only time we can really have healthy Christian 
community and Christian connection. One last thing. People will always disappoint you. People will always disappoint you. But Jesus never will. And so the essence of connection is the person of God. The expression of connection is people of God. The anchor of connection is the, per, is the Son of God. Ephesians chapter 2. The context of this is Paul's talking about how Jews and Gentiles can now be one together in Christ. And he says, so you guys are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. He's the one who holds it all together. In him, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also, in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Jesus is always the anchor. Never, ever, ever let a human weakness, another sinful person, another person just as broken as you are, don't let them damage your relationship with Jesus. Because he's always the anchor of connection. Essence, we're hardwired. Expression, we do the best we can, and we're messy. All of us. But Jesus... Jesus will never disappoint. So I was reading a book this past week, and I came across a story of a guy named Ben Coleman. And uh, I thought, man, I got, I got to check out, I got to Google this to see if this story's out there. And so I found a video, an ESPN video, and Simon and his team, the tech team, took this eight-minute video, and they, as only they can do, crunched it down into four minutes. I wanted you to see this. Ben Coleman has cerebral palsy. And Ben Coleman is a cross-country runner. You don't usually see those two things together, do you? So watch his story. Listen for the words belong, team, persevere. And watch how community always comes back to support each other. Check out this video. For the last five years, he's been on the cross-country team at T.L. Hanna High School. Even if someone says, no, I can't, I like to be able to go, yes, I can. Uh, it used to really bother me to have people saying, oh, look at that funny-looking, funny-walking kid. Now, yeah, they can say all they want. I'm still going to do what I do. What Ben Coleman wanted most was to be on a team. But Ben and his parents could not find a team that would let him play. They were happy to have him there if he was sitting on the bench, or they were happy to have him there if he was satisfied being a water boy. He wasn't satisfied, and neither were we. Then at the end of seventh grade, Ben learned that 8th graders were eligible for the high school cross-country team. 
and his mother phoned the coach. I said, no problem, bring him on. And, and she told me that, that, you know, he had a condition, and, and I told her, I said, don't worry, we'll take care of him. I was just really considered part of the team. Nobody looked at me weird or said, what's he doing here? Uh, they all were just like, coach, come on, let's go. It's sometimes hard to keep going when I'm all by myself. I get nervous sometimes out on courses that what's going to happen if I fall and can't get up again or if something happens, what am I going to do? Because I do sometimes get lonely. But as Ben would continue to run, he found that he was not alone, that some competitors who had already completed the course and others who care about him were coming back to run with him. I feel very, very blessed to know that everybody's so willing to, to come back because I know they're all tired because they've already run their race. I just feel happy knowing that they're willing to be there and they're watching out for me. They would cheer him on and they would help him up the times when he would fall. What are you going to miss most about? Being part of the team. Having all my friends there. In his final competition, the regional championship, which his school hasn't won since 1993, Ben must once again contend with uneven terrain that can make him trip or slip. Come on, Ben! Yeah, ben! Yeah, ben! Come on, Ben! You're looking at 41! As Ben crosses the finish line comes the realization that for the first time all year, he has broken 41 minutes. He broke it. 41. He broke it. It's pretty official, being good. Congratulations. <laughs> and after he gets cleaned up, Ben Coleman stands at the end of his high school career, before his family and rivals, and among his teammates, just as he always dreamed he would. Not as the special one, not as the different one, but as a winning one. A member of the Hannah Yellow Jackets, champions of their region. What did running give you? that you wouldn't have gotten any other way. Gave me a place to belong. A place I can say that I'm supposed to be. So we're all broken, right? We all have issues going on in our lives. One of the things I loved about that story is he never quit, did he? He didn't check out just because someone said, look at that funny-looking kid, the way he walks. But Christians can check out sometimes when someone says something we don't like. I love the fact that he needed a place to belong. It's hardwired in us. 
Sometimes it happens on a track team. Unfortunately, sometimes it happens at the neighborhood bar. For the believer, it happens in the community of those who follow Jesus. We don't always express ourselves in the right way. <laughs> On our best day, sometimes we hurt each other. But we're in this thing together. Some of us run slower than others. Some of us run faster than others. But I love the part where that other, even when they finished, they came back and ran with him, didn't they? And so at the end of the day, we all run together. That's what connection is. That's what community is. Hardwired in us, expressed in messy ways, but anchored in Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ, then you can't know significant, meaningful Christian community because it all starts with him. We're united in him. Our, our, our family comes from him. The conversations we can have and the encouragement we can have, it comes from him. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ, today I'd like to give you a chance to trust in Jesus alone as the only way to have a relationship with the living God. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes at all campuses. I'm going to pray a prayer. I want, to, I want you to know this prayer does not make you a Christian. But if God's at work in your heart, you know that. And so pray along as he would have you pray along. But today, you can enter this messy family with a perfect Savior who will never disappoint you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you have placed into us this desire for community, connection. It comes from you. And then we express it, Lord, and we don't always do a good job. We drop the ball. Lord, but help us persevere. Help us never quit. Help us never give up on the church community because your son said that it's his and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. But Father, right now I pray for the person here today, one of our campuses, all of our campuses, they don't know you. That person does not know you as personal Lord and Savior. And so if you're working in their heart, Lord, help them follow along in this prayer and put it in their own words. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I admit that I am broken. I am a sinner. Uh, there's no way on my best day I can do anything that would make myself good enough for you. And so I own my sin, and I confess it to you. I am sorry for it. 
and I repent of it. I want to turn from it. A life that is characterized by sin, I want to turn from it, and I want to follow Jesus. I want to trust in Jesus, acknowledging him as the one who came to this earth, fully man, fully God, and died on a cross for my sin, died as my substitute, died in my place. He died so I could live. Right now, I trust in Jesus alone. And Father, I want you to change my life forever. I pray that in Jesus' name.